You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on the Pet Life Radio Network. I'm Keith Sanderson, creator and host of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, award-winning writer, animal expert, and sidekick to Max A. Pooch, the canine champion for animals and the environment. We're the unique Pet Life Radio program that is created for animal advocates and animal lovers. Each episode is dedicated to the animal advocates whose work helps improve or save the lives of animals and make our planet a better place. Our guest today is Michelle Blake. Michelle is the CEO for the Greenville, South Carolina located Association of Professional Dog Trainers. Michelle has a master's in social welfare from UCLA, is a certified association executive through the Center for Association Leadership, and certified as a dog behavior consultant through the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. Michelle resides in Las Vegas, Nevada with her husband and two dogs, Jack and Kaylee. It's always been my belief that a well-trained dog is a happier, healthier, and safer dog. Michelle will share with us her thoughts about this, whether cats can be trained and more. But first, we need to take a break to hear from the great folks who help bring you Max A. Pooch's awesome animal advocates. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and our guest today is Michelle Blake, CEO of the Association of Professional Dog Trainers, or APDT. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great. It's great. I've been wanting to get somebody who really knows about dog trainers and training on because one of the things I have is my own personal belief is that a trained dog is a happier, healthier, and safer dog. Do you think that's true? And if so, why or why not? Well, I I think it's absolutely true, and I think there's a number of reasons. I mean, for one thing, when you have a a dog that lives in a household, whether it lives with a single person or with a family, in a way, training is a form of communication. So the dog understands what the people want from it, and the people are able to communicate to the dog what they want. And so that just leads to a more harmonious household. So, you know, just that in itself, you know, makes everybody healthier and happier, you know, both human and canine. You know, also, I think that 
having come from a shelter background, you know, most often dogs that end up in shelters, not most often, but a lot of the time the dogs that end up in shelters are dogs that didn't have any training or any socialization when they were puppies. And so obviously ending up in a shelter is probably, you know, the least healthy and happy place that a dog can be. So even just doing, you know, simple obedience training, you know, just the basics like, you know, sit, stay down, come, and walking well on leash can really contribute to making for a much better lifestyle for the dog because it means the dog tends to stay in the home, you know, it doesn't aggravate the people. Or even a lot of times what I've seen happen is the dog doesn't get trained, the people don't want to give it up, but they just can't handle the behaviors. So the poor dog gets relegated to the backyard 24-7 or maybe to like a laundry room or a garage. So, you know, again, a dog that's trained is a dog that can be with its people, you know, all the time. It can be with them in a way where everybody's happy and it's just, it's a really easy thing that you can do that can make your life so much better with the dog. You know, I, my own experience, Max, when he was young, had no training. And uh, one day I had him off leash in what I inappropriately thought was a safe place. And mm-hmm. he took off and he ran and ran, jumped up on a snowbank and jumped out in the street. I bet you it was a quarter of a mile uh-huh. away from me. I could still mm-hmm. see him. And if the driver of the car hadn't seen him running, and anticipated where he was going to land, we probably wouldn't have Max today. And that mm-hmm. taught me a pretty good lesson about getting him trained. And I, I assure you, one thing Max knows now is the word stop. Right. <laughs> and I made that high on my priority list along with the other things. And he'll even stop now when he's chasing a squirrel because that's the same kind of thing that can happen. He could chase a squirrel mm-hmm. across the street. So uh, now I wouldn't say it's 100% of the time, but uh, I'll take 90 or 99% of the time that that works. And, of course, be more um, recognize more where the safe places are to let them off leash. Right. And I remember when I actually used to teach training classes, when I would introduce come, I would always tell people that's the one command that can save your dog's life. Because just as you said, you know, your dog runs out the front door and if you live on a busy street or um, I was actually once at a pet store where someone had just recently adopted a dog and the dog took off and the pet store had those doors that automatically open and dog took off, had no come command, went right into traffic. So again, you know, simple, simple command to teach and it's something that, you know, is can make the difference between having your dog with you, you know, for the rest of its life or having, you know, a really terrible accident. Right, and causing both a lot of mental and physical mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, uh, sometimes I hear people say they don't know what's making their dog do what it's doing. I mean, that perfectly great dog, and then all of a sudden there's a behavioral problem. Can this be caused by a physical problem with the dog? Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, just like with people, you know, if you're not feeling good, you can be cranky. Um, you know, some examples with dogs, sometimes dogs will have like a thyroid condition, and that's been known to sometimes cause things like aggression. Or, for example, you might have a dog that was a wonderful dog, and all of a sudden it snaps. And you can find out, you know, by going to the vet that maybe it has like a, a bone disorder or, you know, maybe a wound or, or maybe something going on, you know, like with cancer or something like that. So, you know, physical conditions can absolutely, you know, change how a dog's feeling. And that's always why with a behavior problem, the first thing that we say is, you know, get the dog checked out by a vet first because you really do want to rule out medical causes. 
You know, that's interesting because when we were out for a walk yesterday, we came upon a uh, standard poodle that uh, Max knows, and he walked up to her like he usually does. They were both on leash, and she really growled at him, and so he, he backed off immediately, and the owner said, oh my goodness, I don't know what's going on. She never does that. And I noticed that the dog had a dressing on his chest. And mm-hmm. I said, well, mm-hmm. what happened? She said, well, she had a big tumor removed. And so I, mm-hmm. I suspect the dog was not being aggressive, but saying, hey, I don't quite trust you coming up to me, big guy. I've been hurt. Is that the read on what happened? Yeah, and a good example. I have a dog that just had surgery on her knee, and I have like a young puppy as well. And, I mean, these two dogs love each other. But when she first came home from surgery, there were a couple times where the puppy came up to her where she just was like, you know, get away from me. And it wasn't because she was being aggressive. She just, you know, she wasn't feeling good. She had knee surgery. She was bandaged up. She had the cone on her head. So, again, like I said, it's, you know, just like with people. If you've hurt yourself and someone comes up and they want to hang out with you and you're just not feeling it, you may express it in a way that you might regret later on, but it's not that you're aggressive or mean. It's just, you know, you're not having a good day because something hurts. Yeah, I guess if uh, humans can act like that, then dogs can. And that's another good reason to make sure that going back to having a good trained dog so we can prevent our dog maybe from coming up to a dog that might be obviously injured or not feeling well. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, I sometimes humans, well, humans like me, allow not only themselves, but their dogs to become couch potatoes. I joined a health club and started to get back in shape. But what can we do to help our dogs become more fit? Well, first thing you do before you put any kind of exercise program, again, you want to check it out with your vet, make sure your dog's up to it. I usually recommend, you know, kind of starting in intervals. You know, a good example is like if you've ever seen, there's this popular program that people use called Couch to 5K. And basically what it is is, you know, you'll walk for a minute and then you'll run for 30 seconds and then gradually increase that to walking for two minutes, running for a minute. You know, so it's the idea of, you know, gradually increasing the intensity of exercise so you're not completely tiring yourself out or stressing out your muscles and your joints and you're getting them slowly worked up, you know, to where that it's, it's someplace where they can handle it. And that's actually a program I've done with my dogs because I do run with them. But some other things that you can do, I mean, if you're not a runner, which a lot of people aren't, there's a lot of great activities. I mean, something like agility is a great way to get a dog to be more active, and it's a really fun thing that you can do with your dog and it builds your relationship. There's other kind of dog sports out there. You know, it depends on what's available where you live. Or even, you know, just, just simple walking, you know, getting them up and out and taking them for a really long walk. And, you know, with dogs, it's not just... The physical part, they also get a lot of mental exercise from walking, so you might want to try varying where you take the dog. So instead of just going out in your neighborhood, maybe getting in a car and going someplace, like here in Las Vegas, there's tons of like hiking trails you can go to where you can get much different type of workout because you're, you're walking on rocks or you're walking up steep cliffs or things like that. But, you know, I think really it's just being kind of creative. Or another thing I just thought of, you can get, like if you don't want to do agility or you don't want to go to a club and there's no place near you, you can actually buy equipment. I actually have jumps and stuff in my backyard, and I'll, I'll do that sometimes with my dogs. Or you can do things like playing fetch or retrieve if you have a dog that likes to do that. You know, the, the whole idea is really just, you know, getting them active, you know, getting them more involved, and, you know, definitely making sure it's something your dog can handle. So, of course, that, that visit first is really important. 
You know, I think one thing you said that I really believe is that it's the mental aspect as much as the physical. Mm -hmm. So many times we think we need to get them exercise, but uh, that's true. But, you know, life can be pretty boring if you're in a backyard all the time So or in a house. So I'm sure that uh, their minds like a little mental workout as much as ours do. Yeah, and it's a great way to alleviate stress. And a lot of times when we see behavior problems with dogs in the home, it's often based on, you know, boredom, which can lead to, you know, more destructive behaviors and to anxiety because it's just, you know, if you sat in your house all day and you had nothing to do and, like, no TV to watch or books to read or video games or whatever, you would start to go a little bit crazy, too, because it's just, you know, dogs are very intelligent creatures and they need to have something to do. Yeah, that's right. I recall dog walking friends of mine, they lived in a condo in uh, Chicago before they moved out near us. And they had a uh, lab, a big yellow lab, a giant yellow lab. And they came home from work one day and uh, he had torn apart the drywall. I mean, Uh he uh just destroyed it. And at first they were, you know, like in angst about this terrible dog. And then they got to thinking, well, what have we done to him? And that was one of the reasons they had moved to the country. I guess that's another reason we should fit our dogs to our lifestyles when we think about adopting or adding a dog to our household. Talking about that, sometimes we hear of a rescue dog being adopted who's a great dog, but unfortunately there was something in its past life that must have happened causing it trauma and fear. Can anything be done about this? I'm sure. And again, it it really depends on the individual dog. But there are definitely things you can do to work with the dog to help it learn that whatever it is it's fearful or or anxious about is something that it shouldn't be worrying about. And if you work with somebody who's qualified with a background in behavior, they can come over to your house, they can sit down, they can take a history of the dog, they can work on things like counter-conditioning and sensitization and all these different techniques that we use. And, you know, again, it's hard to say. I mean, some dogs you may see a complete turnaround. Some dogs you may see, you know, a bit of a change. It may never change, you know, completely the way you'd like. Again, it depends on how long the dog's been that way, you know, what their history is and breed and all these different things. But, you know, absolutely, I've seen many dogs like that, like I said, before I worked primarily in shelters in the past and if you're willing to put the time into it and the effort you should be able to see some change with the dog. Yeah we had a situation with Max and after we got him he wouldn't go to the basement and there was Mm -hmm. no reason for him to go to our basement so we didn't worry about it but the way I found out is when we were introducing him to the house I opened the basement door and he sort of stopped and I reached out to sort of pull him a little bit, you know, and say, come on, buddy. And he just snapped at me. And that's the only time he snapped at me. And I said, oh, this guy has had a bad experience. So in this case, since it wasn't a necessary action for him to go down there, we didn't do anything about it. And it took about two years. Finally, we had uh, our furnace serviced and we were, I was downstairs with a stranger who obviously is a great interest. And finally, Max came down curious to see what's going on. But again, it was just time and and healing, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of times like what humans need. So why not animals, Right. right? Right. And oftentimes, too, with dogs that you adopt, there is a period of settling in time. And, you know, for some dogs, it can be a couple of days. For dumb dogs, it could be weeks or even months, depending, you know, again, on the severity of their behavior problem. So, like you said, you know, you may just see a change over time, you know, just with the dog learning that, you know, this is a safe place to live and I know who my people are. So, again, yeah, like you said, just with people, you know, they need their time and their space. And there are definitely ways to kind of help them learn. Like, for example, the furnace that they're scared of, it's definitely not something that's that's all that bad. 
Well, that's really great information. We need to take a break to hear from our sponsors. When we return, Michelle will give us some pointers on what to look for in a dog trainer and uh, also share with us whether cats can be trained or not. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Hi, this is T.O.D. Anderson, and I'm the host of Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. We're going to talk about a variety of topics on canine behavior and training, all based on modern methods that are fun for you and your dog. We might be talking about other critters, too. So join us on Get Positive Results. We'll talk about common issues between you and your dog, answer your questions, discuss different activities you can do with your dog, and keep you posted on current canine news and products. All this on Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm Keith Sanderson, your host, and our guest today is Michelle Blake, CEO of the Association of Professional Dog Trainers. Michelle, it seems that about anyone can call themselves a dog trainer. Uh, in fact, people, because Max really reacts well to me, say, oh, you must be a dog trainer. And I never tell mm-hmm. him I am. But I could. I could pass myself off as one real easily. How can I tell if a trainer is qualified and what should I look for in terms of professional credentials as well as personal traits? Well, that's a great question. It's actually a pretty good long answer. But if you actually go to our website, which is APDT.com, there's a whole section there that talks about what the different certifications are that are out there, some of the types of educational backgrounds. Because this, as you said, yeah, anybody can call themselves a dog trainer. And there's tons and tons and tons of schools out there that say, you know, you know, I've certified this person to be a dog trainer. And, and not that that necessarily is bad. Some of those schools are actually quite good, and some of them aren't really aren't. There's only really a handful of actual what we would call certifications where it's done by an independent body, it's independent of the school that you went to, and it tests you on a, like a wide body of knowledge. And one would be the Certification Council for Professional Dog Trainers, and another would be the International Association for Animal Behavior Consultants, where it's actually where I have my certification from. And like I said, if you go to our website, you can get more information on all that. There's links to their pages where you can learn more about how they certify. The other thing I'd say really is to ask them questions you know, ask them where they got their education. A big one is, do they get continuing education? Because I'll often see people say, well, you know, I've been a dog trainer for 30 years, but if they're still training the way they did 30 years ago, you know, training and, and our understanding of dogs has really changed a lot in the last, even in the last 10 years. 
So you want to find somebody who's continually going to seminars or who's going to webinars and who's attending a conference like we put a conference on every year. You also want to see if they're a member of a professional association because that also indicates that they take the profession seriously, that they're also looking for education, that they network with their colleagues. Um, the other thing I would really say is find somebody who after you've you know, determined all their credentials that you feel comfortable with that you feel like this person is somebody who can coach you. Because a lot of people have a misperception that the dog trainer trained your dog. Really, they don't. They train you to train your dog. So you want to feel like this is somebody that, you know, if I'm feeling embarrassed or uncomfortable or I really don't understand a command, this is somebody who I feel like I can say, you know what, I don't understand. Can you show me how to do this differently? Because that, to me, I think is the most important thing is that you need to be able to feel like this is somebody that you can get the learning from because that's ultimately what's going to make you successful with training your dog. That's interesting. So probably one of the aspects which I never thought about would be flexibility because mm-hmm. all dogs are different and all humans are different. Mm-hmm. So if I come across a person who's very rigid in their approach to me and my dog, that person may not be the best trainer for right. me because we just don't fit. Is that exactly. true? Yeah, exactly. And like I said, it's, you know, some, I've often had this where I would go to someone's house and they would hand the dog to me and like they were leaving and it's like, no, 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 come back here. I'm not training your dog. I know how to train a dog. But what my job is to teach you how to train a dog so that you can live with the dog and be happy with the dog. And so again, if you don't feel a connection to that person, you don't feel like, you know, like they're hearing you, if you don't feel like you can ask them for more direction, you know, it's not going to be a productive relationship. Like, you really want to think of the trainer as someone who's like a coach or a teacher for you and not so much that they're the dog trainer because ultimately you're the dog trainer. They're the instructor for you. You know, I've heard that it's really building confidence in the human and that a lot of times failure to uh, train a dog is because the human just doesn't have the confidence that he or she can really do this and doesn't do the repetitions needed or carry Mm -hmm. on with whatever is suggested. Well, it may not necessarily be confidence, but it's more like if the person doesn't feel they can do it or if they don't follow through with it and they're not consistent, you know, and there might be different reasons why they may not do that. The dog's just never really going to effectively learn. So, you know, depending on the person, like I can think of some situations I've had where the person just didn't feel like they could do it until they didn't practice. And so part of my role you know, was to continue to kind of, you know, bust them up and make them know, yeah, yeah, you can do this. And, and kind of, I think, show them like small successes. So, you know, it's, it's such a typical scenario. The first night of any group class, people will show up and they'll say, oh, my dog's going to fail this class and oh, my dog can't do this. And if you take their dog from them and get their dog to sit or down or do something within, you know, like a couple minutes, usually that's enough to make them go, oh, my God, my dog can do that. And then, you know, that's what gives them the confidence to keep going and, and work with it. So, you know, again, I think personality and that match between trainer slash instructor and owner is very important. That's interesting because, like I said, when I had this one trainer, I mean, it was like it wasn't a trainer. It was a disciplinarian and Probably someone who was like you had mentioned before, who maybe had been training for 30 years but hadn't been to a, a seminar in the last 20 years. So was doing the old the old way without understanding mm-hmm. that with it incorporating the new understanding we have of animal intelligence. Right. You know, uh, I'm going to switch subjects for a second. We've been talking about dogs, and ever since I was a child, I've I've always thought or heard that cats can't be trained, but Is this true or is it a myth? And if it's true, are there cat trainers who can help me train my cat? Yes, that is absolutely a myth. Um, You can actually train pretty much any animal. 
for each person. You know, once you find out what motivates them, that's really all you need. And, and dogs are really easy to train because they generally are motivated by food or toys or, or praise, and they were bred to kind of want to be with people. But I've seen people train chickens. We're actually doing a cat training workshop at our, our conference this year. Um, I've seen hermit crabs, cockroaches. I mean, the list goes on of things that you can train. Again, it's just a matter of finding out what motivates them. And with cats, you know, cats are a little bit more difficult to train because they're not like dogs. They don't necessarily seek out human companionship in the same way. They weren't bred to kind of work side by side with us the way most dogs were. But, you know, if you have a cat and you determine what they like, and with some cats it might be a little bit of tuna or it might be being brushed or it might be, you know, play with a toy, you absolutely can train them. And there's actually books you can get on that. And there are, you know, particularly for cat behavior problems, and as I mentioned before, like with my shelter background, the really sad thing is, you know, we often talk about the number of dogs euthanized, but there's far more cats that die in shelters because of behavior problems and it's because people just don't know that there are actually people you can hire to come and help you with things like, you know, if the cat stops using the litter box or if the cat's scratching or biting or, or things like that. We do have members who, if you go to our trainer search, there is an advanced search thing that you can click on and one of the choices is multi-species and I'm actually, I do train cats and I have one of our staff does as well. The other organization that you can go to is the International Association for Animal Behavior Consultants and they have a whole cat behavior division there. So yeah, absolutely, if you have a cat with a problem or you have a cat that's great and you just want to train and do some tricks or things like that you totally can train a cat now does that include walking on a leash sure and then you know it depends on the particular cat some cats may never enjoy that you do want to find an activity that that's enjoyable for the cat but yeah i have seen people who have cats that they've trained to do that and they'll enjoy you know walk outside and i've seen them at conferences so yeah it, it depends on the cat's personality because cats are much more i think environmentally sensitive than dogs are but you know if you have a cat that, that loves doing that absolutely well, that's interesting. So, uh, again, I guess that's an example of me acting about something I heard 30 years ago and mm-hmm. and now uh, with the, the new understanding of animal behavior that it ain't necessarily true. So, that's great. Now, you know, I was looking at your website and I was really quite surprised about all the activities and things you're doing. Now, you have what? National conferences, an annual one. Is that mm-hmm. true? Yeah, we have a big conference every year. It happens in October, and it's four days of seminars. We have hands-on workshops. We do different, like, networking activities. We have a huge trade show, which usually has, like, all the latest kind of training and behavior gear, and we have an associated foundation that works with us that we do, like, an auction and a 5K for them as well. Is any part of your show open to the public? This year, we actually are opening a trade show on a Saturday to the public. So it'll be the, well, actually, it won't be the first year we're doing it, but it's the first year in a really long time that we've done that, and we're going to see how that goes. The 5K is open to the public. Ah, okay. That's both people and dogs, or just people? No dogs, just people. The location that we're running isn't, we can't bring dogs. Ah, okay. And then there's also the National Train Your Dog Month. And that's every year in January. And basically, we do something different every year, but we usually have a lot of kind of free information, primarily geared towards the public, not so much trainers. Like last year, we did kind of a one-on-one chat on Facebook with some experts on different behavior problems and basic training information. 
uh, we have a ton of like free webinars that you can go on to there and watch on kind of typical behavior problems. And some of them are for cats as well. There's a bunch on cats. I'm not sure yet what we're doing this year, but definitely uh, you can check that out. You can get to it from our website or it also, it has its own website called trainyourdogmonth.com. You have a newer program called CLASS. That's an acronym. Can you tell us what it's an acronym for? CLASS stands for Canine Life and Social Skills, or the program is also known as My Dog Has Class. And this is a program we created to kind of help owners have like a benchmark for how they're doing with the training. It's a series of three assessment levels. And we kind of name them after like college degrees. There's a BA, MA, and PhD. And they're all based on behaviors that you would want to see from a dog in the home. So it's things like sit, stay down, but also uh, like wait for the food bowl, being able to take an object away from the dog's mouth, walking through or pass a dog on the street, waiting in the car, waiting to get in or out of the car, backing up, and a lot of different commands like that. That really a lot of tests that exist out there are much more geared on kind of competitive obedience which isn't necessarily as useful to your everyday family who has a dog. So we wanted to kind of make something that was much more useful to, you know, the pet owner who, you know, they may not care that their dog can do a 20-minute downstay, but having a dog that, you know, could back up when they're coming in the house, you know, that's a really, really great thing to have or who could, you know, sit when they're giving them food, you know, rather than rushing them when they're trying to, you know, feed them dinner. So, and that website is mydoghasclass.com, and there's also a lot of free information there. There's also a program there that shelters can download for free that can kind of help them to create volunteer programs for training dogs, which helps them to get adopted. That's interesting. So your group, even though uh, your main target, obviously, are professional dog trainers, there's Mm -hmm. also things for dog owners. Yeah, I mean, we definitely see our mission as education, and while that primarily is focused on educating and improving dog trainers, we do also feel it's important to educate the public, you know, one on, you know, how to find good dog trainers and what to look for, but also, you know, just some basic information about, you know, training your dog and, you know, typical behavior issues you might see and, you know, really just kind of getting that message out about how important it is to train your dog, how important it is to socialize them. And so, yeah, we absolutely love being a resource for the public. Well, Michelle, we've run out of time. Can you give us the uh, URL for your website one more time? Sure. The main website is apdt.com. The associated websites are trainyourdogmonth.com and mydoghasclass.com. We also have a very active Facebook page, which you can get to from our website. And we invite everybody to come check that out. Lots of great information. And uh, you know, thank you for having us. Well, we thank you for being with us today, Michelle. And once again, tell your audience where we can find more information about APDT apdt.com. Okay. And Max A. Pooch gives you and all those associated with APDT five big tail wagging wolves for the work you do because he knows that learning good behavior helps keep canines happier and safer. I also want to thank Mark Winter, executive producer and co-founder of Pet Life Radio and the sponsors who make this program possible. Please join us each and every episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates and be sure to tell your friends about us. So until we meet again, remember, if you do a good thing for an animal today, your reward will be you have helped to make the world a better place. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.